London, New York, Barcelona. Today from Ireland, you can fly to almost any place. But what if you could fly to any time? If you could experience events that change the world, if you could meet the people who lived through history, would you do it? Welcome to a new series of Time Travels, the programme where we explore the past. Are you ready? Fasten your seatbelts. It could be a bumpy journey. OK, we've landed. And if I'm not mistaken, this is Paris, but not the Paris we know today. The year is 1789, and the French Revolution has begun. Ah, bonjour. You've chosen a fine time to arrive here in Paris, as all hell has just broken loose. Absolute chaos. And I was only saying to Pierre last week, the people in this city are going to lose the plot soon. Mark my words. It's been brewing for a very long time. And I can tell you that it all comes down to themselves. The royal family. King Louis XVI and his greedy wife, Marie Antoinette. They've been spending, spending, spending... When here in the city, you can barely buy a loaf of bread without it costing an arm and a leg. We're all half-starved, for goodness sake. Anyway, it all kicked off yesterday, but we'll get to that in a minute. Between you and me, there had been whispers of it. In the streets, for a long time. Ideas floating around. Political ideas. Some saying that we, the common people, or the third estate, as we're sometimes known, we could actually rule ourselves. We don't even need a royal family, especially that shower who are in power right now. There had been protests in town for a few days, people complaining about the living conditions in the city. It's filthy and dangerous. And all the while, the royal family are having a great time for themselves. Anyway, I was at home yesterday, relaxing after a hard day's work, when Adele rushes in the door. Pierre, she says, the people are storming the Bastille. Now, I wasn't that surprised. Like I said, I had a feeling something was coming, but this was a bit more than I expected. The Bastille is a large building in the city. Built a few hundred years ago, it has walls 80 feet tall. Lots of towers and a wide moat going around it. It used to be a fortress back in the day, but these days it's being used as a prison. I'm not sure how many prisoners were in there yesterday, but maybe a handful. Now, you might wonder how the people managed to break into such a place as the Bastille. Well, I think it was the sheer numbers that swung it for them. Adele said there could have been 8,000 people outside, all trying to get in, and by lunchtime they'd managed it. As it turned out, they weren't actually that interested in freeing the prisoners. They were after something much more valuable inside the Bastille. Weapons and gunpowder. 
they knew they'd need something other than pitchforks and rakes to take on the French army. So those 8,000 people stormed the building, took what they wanted, killed the governor and some of the guards. A very gruesome business, which would put you off your lunch. And today, you won't believe it, but the people are actually tearing the building down, stone by stone. I even heard that someone was selling pieces of it as souvenirs. I don't know who buy them, to be honest. But I'll tell you one thing. The 14th of July is a date that will go down in history. Mark my words. think we should find out a bit more about the French Revolution. Ask an expert. My name's Hugo Kennedy. I'm a tour guide living and working in Paris. I show people around the amazing sights of Paris, around the Louvre, around the Musée d'Orsay and around French Revolution sites as well. What was the French Revolution? So for... Over a thousand years, France was ruled by kings, kings and queens, uh, very powerful. And uh, the French Revolution was a period of time, started in 1789, lasted till for 10 years. And the people of France overthrew the king and queen of France, executed the king, Louis XVI. And it's a huge event in French and European and world history. What was France like before the French Revolution? The situation is that the King and Queen of France don't live in Paris. They live just outside Paris in the Palace of Versailles. Versailles. And um, they're surrounded by nobles, aristocrats, wealthy people. And uh, the King is a not a particularly um, exciting or charismatic dude, you know. He had two great passions in his life, Louis XVI. One was hunting, he loved to hunt. And the other sounds a bit weird, but he was a very passionate locksmith. A bit weird, yeah. So, like, he used to spend hours indoors, like, putting together and taking apart locks. That was his favourite thing in the world to do. Um, but uh, it's not really someone who's going to make the people of France very excited to have him on the throne, right? And the uh, situation in Paris was it was very, very difficult to live here, you know. Nowadays, Paris is a very beautiful city, but you have to picture in your mind sewers going down through the middle of the street, open sewers. You want to get rid of your, your garbage, your waste, it's going directly out the window. It's a dangerous city to live in. It's a really, really horrible place to be. And so the king was living in a lot of luxury, a lot of wealth out in Versailles, and the people, especially in Paris, were living in very, very difficult conditions. Why did the French Revolution happen? There are lots of different reasons why the French Revolution happened. One reason is for the few years and decades before the French Revolution, uh, a lot of people were thinking that it would be, it wasn't fair for the king to 
control everything in the country. A lot of people um, started thinking of new ideas of things like democracy. People, the people should uh, decide who is in control, that kind of thing. And a a group of philosophers there called the Enlightenment philosophers. Uh, a lot of them started writing in Paris. People like Voltaire and Rousseau and these uh, these writers and uh, talking about these new ideas of democracy and um, just before the French Revolution came along the American Revolution started and the King of France decided to support the American revolutionaries really to annoy the English more or less and uh, they succeeded in annoying the English but they also succeeded in destroying their own economy as well the price of Bread goes through the roof. And if the price of bread goes through the roof, then people in France get very annoyed. What was the storming of the Bastille? The worst slum in the city uh, was centred around an enormous prison, which is called the Bastille. So 14th of July, 1789, a group of guys a mob forms and they decide to head to the Bastille prison and they wanted to destroy it because it was a symbol of the power of the French king so this is really the start of the French revolution the people inside they were political prisoners and so it was a symbol of the power of the French king and so they went to try and tear it down and release the political prisoners and release the prisoners that were inside the Bastille. Now, it just so happened to be there were only seven people inside the Bastille just at the time, just by coincidence. The governor of the Bastille was not so lucky. His head was chopped off. So the French Revolution starts in blood and it will kind of continue like that for a while. Who was Marie Antoinette? Marie Antoinette was the wife of Louis XVI, the King of France, and uh, she originally came from Austria. She wasn't actually French, and she married the King of France when she was a teenager, very young, and uh, her, her whole life she had spent living in courts and like with very wealthy people and stuff. She didn't really know much about the poor of France. She was spending quite a lot of money on... Um, clothes on entertainments and that kind of thing she wasn't spending more money than people had before but she I think in some ways was the wrong person in the wrong place at the wrong time but she the people of France made her a symbol of everything that they hated about the French monarchy about French king and queens she was a foreigner which they didn't like she was from Austria she was a woman and um she uh, got the nickname Madame Deficit, basically. she uh, They always associated her with the, the fact that the economy was falling apart, that she was spending a lot of money on clothes and stuff when the people of France were, a lot of them were starving, and uh, she became this symbol. What happened during the French Revolution? When the Bastille prison is destroyed by the revolutionaries a group of women actually they're called the fisherwomen of Paris they decided that the king queen of France should not be outside of Paris in Versailles in the palace out there so they decided to march there and pick up the king and queen of France 
and bring them back to Paris, where they could be, like, everybody could keep an eye on the king and queen uh, of, uh, of France. Now, when this happens, the king and queen of France were not immediately killed by the revolutionaries, you know? They were kept on for a couple of years. Louis XVI had no real power. The revolutionaries were basically ruling the country for him. But by 1792, three years into the revolution, the king and queen are getting very nervous about their safety in this city. And they're right to be nervous because the revolutionaries are changing. Some guys start coming into power who really want the king and queen of France dead. And one of them, the most famous probably, is a guy called Maximilien Robespierre, who was a very, very hardcore revolutionary and really believed yeah, the king and queen of France should be executed for what they did to the people and the country of France. So Louis XVI and his wife and family decide to run away from Paris. They run away and they are heading to get to where she was from, to Austria. Yeah, But they were caught at the border, brought back to Paris and charged with high treason for abandoning their country in its time of need. And they both go to Dr. Guillotin's machine, the guillotine. The guillotine was a machine that was used to chop off someone's head. It was a method of execution. How did the French Revolution end? So, um, as soon as the king and queen of France were executed, a lot of countries in Europe who had kings and queens, I mean, as I said, Marie Antoinette was from Austria, and um, a lot of them were related to each other. You know, a lot of the kings of, kings of Europe were related to the kings of France, and they're very worried about these revolutionaries who had just killed, firstly, one of their relations and also a king. And a lot of them declare war on France almost straight away. And so for the next couple of years, France is at war with most countries in Europe. Now, the guy who comes out in the end to control France is a soldier because of these wars. A young soldier at 26 years old, he was a general in the French army and in 1799 so 10 years after the fall of the Bastille he takes over in a military uprising a military coup and he is Napoleon Bonaparte and when Napoleon comes to power that's when historians say is the end of the French Revolution 1799 he goes on to be a massive figure a very important guy in the next 20 years of European history why was the French Revolution important? If you, like you do in Ireland, if you live in a democracy, a place where the people vote for their leaders, then in many ways you have the French Revolution to thank for that. This is one of the first times that a, a people rise up and take control of their own country. And throughout the next 100 years, it inspires rebellions and revolutions all over Europe, all over the world. In 1798, in Ireland, we have a revolution. The French send soldiers to help the Irish Rebellion of 1798. Like General Humbert landed in, on the west coast of Ireland, Mayo, and um, 
fought against the, the English during the 1798 rebellion. People all over Europe were inspired by the events of the French Revolution and led to revolutions breaking out in loads of different parts of Europe. Did you know that the first public zoo, Menagerie du Jardin des Plantes, was created in Paris during the revolution? The National Assembly demanded that all the exotic animals that the rich people used to own had to be donated to the menagerie or be stuffed. Weird, but true. Here in Paris, tour guide Hugo Kennedy is going to show us around. Yeah, we're just walking past a, uh, a school in the centre of Paris and on every building, every government building in the city is uh, a motto. Three words, which are liberté, égalité, fraternité, which means liberty, equality and brotherhood, which is the, the motto of the French revolutionaries. But you'll see it still every day as you walk through Paris on every government building in the city. Liberty is the freedom to choose your own rulers, choose your own government representatives, choose your own choose the person who rules the country. Equality means everybody who is a French citizen gets the same treatment and brotherhood means that we're all in this together. We're standing on the Ile Saint-Louis, which is one of the two big islands in the centre of Paris and um, the River Seine is flowing around us right now. It's a very posh neighbourhood, a very nice neighbourhood. And on the wall is a statue of a woman without a head. And um, that's because during the French Revolution, a lot of the revolutionaries, they didn't like the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church were very close to the old French kings. And when they saw any images or pictures of religious things, Catholic things, they would attack them, destroy them. And you can still see that in Paris. You can see a statue, a religious image, or a statue of a saint without a head. So we're standing in front of a huge building, which is called the Palais de Justice, which means the Justice Palace in French, which is nowadays the courthouse. But um, back during the French Revolution, it was the headquarters of something called the Revolutionary Tribunal. Basically, these were courts that were set up to put people on trial who were going to their death at the guillotine. And um, some very famous people spent their last nights inside this building, including Marie Antoinette spent her last nights inside here, the Queen of France. She um, was convicted of high treason inside the building after she tried to run away to Austria and uh, placed inside what's called a tumbril. Tumbril is kind of like a small little cart, like a little wooden cart. And she was driven down through the streets of Paris, past the Louvre Museum, and eventually to a square called the Place de la Concorde, which used to be called Place de la Révolution, or the Revolution Square, and that is where she died. Uh, right now we're in the Place de la Concorde, which is the biggest open square in Paris, and as you can probably hear, it's a very busy square as well. The Champs-Élysées is right beside us, which is probably one of the most famous streets in the entire world. It goes all the way to the Arc de Triomphe of Napoleon Bonaparte. Um, but this square 
is now called Place de la Concorde, but used to be called the Place de la Révolution, or the Revolution Square, because this is where Louis XVI, the King of France, Marie Antoinette, the Queen of France, Maximilien Robespierre, and over a thousand other people went to their death at the guillotine, was in this square right here, yeah. We don't know where exactly the guillotine was, but somewhere within this area, quite close to us right here, is where all these famous people met their end. The French Revolution was a major event in world history. But did you know that an Irishman was there during one of the most important moments? This is the story of Henry Essex Edgeworth. Henry Essex Edgeworth was born in 1745. His father was a local Protestant clergyman in Edgeworthstown. But he decided to become a Catholic and left Ireland with his family for a new life in Toulouse in France. Henry was brought up in France and he studied at the prestigious university, the Sorbonne, to become a priest. He was soon very well known and respected and before long he was given an important job in Paris and became a friend of the royal family. Now known as l'abbé Edgeworth de Fermont, Henry was especially close to Princess Elizabeth, the sister of King Louis XVI. When the French Revolution happened, it became clear that the royal family were in grave danger. Many of the ordinary people of France were very poor and they were very angry that the royal family lived in luxury. King Louis XVI, his wife Marie Antoinette and his children tried to escape France, but they were captured and imprisoned and King Louis XVI was sentenced to death. The king's sister, Princess Elizabeth, asked Henry Edgeworth to accompany the king as he went to be beheaded at the guillotine. Henry was very scared that the angry mob at the guillotine would turn on him after the death of the king and he thought that he himself might also be killed. But he decided that he must be brave and do his duty by staying to help the king in his final hours. On the 20th of January, 1793, Henry was summoned to the prison where Louis XVI was confined and he stayed with the king until the following day when he accompanied him to the guillotine. After the king was beheaded, Henry expected to be arrested himself but he describes in a letter to a friend what happened next. All eyes were fixed on me, as you may suppose. But as soon as I reached the first line, to my surprise, no resistance was made. I was absolutely lost in the crowd and no more noticed than if I'd been a simple spectator of a scene which forever will dishonour France. Surprisingly, Henry Essex Edgeworth had been allowed to go free, and luckily no one had paid any attention to him as he left. Later, Henry went to Russia, where he continued to assist the royal family. It was there that he caught typhoid and became gravely ill. When Princess Marie Therese, the only surviving child of Louis XVI, heard of Henry's plight, she remembered his loyalty to her family and travelled to be by his bedside. L'abbé Edward de Fermont died on the 22nd of May, 1807. He was 62 years old. 
home sweet home, and the airport is just as busy as ever. And like I said, you can fly to almost anywhere or any time. So, where do you want to go next? This programme was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee.